Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, well, thank you for joining us for another edition of American Potential, where we try and bring you stories of people making a difference and helping to remove government barriers. And, you know, what's always interesting to me is when people start to get involved in the political process to make a change, sometimes the question kind of comes up, is it really worth it? Well, for one Iowa mom who loves the quote, freedom requires participation, her answer was yes. When it came to making raw milk legal, it was worth it to her because it wasn't just about having another option, but because it helped her daughter when she was a baby. When Esther and her family lived in Georgia, her infant daughter couldn't drink formula. So she didn't, uh, she did her research and she found a way to make a homemade solution that involved raw goat milk. After moving to Iowa and finding out raw milk was illegal, she got connected to a lawmaker who'd spent 17 years trying to pass a bill to make it legal, even though he doesn't drink it himself. Well, with the help of Esther and the community that she built, the bill was finally passed this year. Esther Arkfeld is our guest, and she is the owner of a micro farm in Iowa. She's going to talk about her farm along with the work that she did on this great bill. Esther, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Yeah, this is is a great story, a story about you kind of getting hooked up with a legislator who'd been working on this, but maybe didn't have the connection to the grassroots to get it passed. And you became that. And I I can't wait to, to talk about that. But uh, interesting thing that I learned about you, you, you were born in Holland, but uh, family moved to the United States because the the job opportunities were better for your father. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. We came here and um, really were able to uh, find that American dream and, and live it. Yeah, that's great. And uh, when, when you were growing, you, you were born in Holland. How old were you when you came to the United States? I was 13. Oh, okay. So you you grew up ha- drinking raw milk and things like that, and you didn't think it was an issue here in the United States probably, right? That's right. Um, we I remember driving my bike to the farm with two little buckets, you know, on either side of my handle and would pick up milk and bring it home, and um, that's what we would have in the morning. Yeah. Well, it may sound it may sound like a silly question, but maybe some people don't understand what, what do we mean when we say raw milk? So raw milk means that it's milk that has not been pasteurized. So it is um, directly from the cow, uh, not adulterated in any way. Yeah. Okay. And uh, let's talk about your farm a little bit. What, what's the name of your farm? What, is it, what does it mean? So my micro dairy is called the, the milk dye, and it is a Dutch name. And it basically means the dairy in Dutch. Oh, okay. Excellent. Um, Now, I touched on a little bit when I did the opening, but but why is raw milk important to your family? Sure. So raw milk um, has, you know, we grew up with that. But um, as I became an adult and then had my own children, um, I recognized that my daughter, who was about 
three months at the time, was not able to tolerate commercial dairy. Uh, now, of course, three months old don't really uh, consume dairy like that. But if I uh, consumed it and would nurse her, she would um, she would get very ill. And so, um, you know, you cut I cut that out of my um, of my diet. Um, and then I very quickly became pregnant with my second daughter, which uh, ended up with me losing my uh, milk supply. And so I tried to find a good alternative for her. And, you know, most people then reach for formula. And I started researching the different formula options because like most moms, I wanted the best for my daughter. Um, and I noticed that just about every single one still contained some form of milk protein in it. Um, and I really did not want to use soy proteins or things like that. And so um, I had my sister-in-law actually mention uh, raw milk formula to me. And initially I thought, you know, I'm not sure about that. But the more research I did, the more I saw that mothers across the country were using this uh, with very great success. And so I did my research, my due diligence, found a farm um, that produced a good, great quality raw goat's milk formula or goat's milk. And I used that to make formula for my daughter. And from the very first bottle, she stopped throwing up and she had no more tummy troubles and she began to thrive. Yeah, that's that's great. Now then, but but you moved to Iowa and then you found out that that raw milk was illegal in Iowa, right? That's right. We moved here. Um, and very quickly, I found out that it was a very taboo subject to talk about. Hmm. And people looked at me like, you know, I had three eyes and you better not mention <laughs> it here. Um, so because let, let me ask, let me stop you there. Was that, you think that's the different, I mean, Iowa obviously has a lot of, a lot of dairy farms and things like that. Do you think that that plays into, into why that was? Um, no, not necessarily. Um, possibly. Um, but apparently raw milk, uh, the history of it here in our state uh -huh. um, was very challenging. Okay. Um, and there had been someone who had been prosecuted for selling raw milk. Okay. And so because of that, it was a very, if it was talked about, it was very much so hush hush. You only discussed it with with people you could trust with that type of information because you wouldn't want to get them in trouble. Yeah. So in other words, there were people who were who were doing raw milk, but it was kind of under the table, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So so you found out when you when you moved to Iowa that it was illegal there. Um, I'm sure you were surprised by that. I was surprised because you know you think you moved to um, the Midwest, um, an ag state. Um, and you think, you know, that's um, that's really a good place to find that type of product. And um, I quickly found out that that was just not um, not the case. And, you know, thankfully, we were already living a homestead life. And um, and so the thought of owning a, a dairy cow had already been in, you know, in the making. And so. Um, thankfully we were able to purchase our homestead and, and really one of the very first thing we purchased after fencing, uh, was secure was our family milk cow. Mm -hmm. So as you started looking into this, did you discover that there were more, there's more States than just Iowa that raw milk was, was illegal in, in those States? Uh, how many States 
is it illegal or was it illegal to sell raw milk in? Well, that was the interesting thing. You know, I just thought, well, I was just just like that. Um, but then as I became involved with the um, raw milk fight, if that's even the right word, I um, I quickly found out from realmilk.com that Iowa was one of five states who um, made access to raw milk illegal. So 45 states within our country um, allowed access to it in one way, shape or another, whether it was through retail sales, uh, farm to, to direct consumer sales, um, herd shares sold as, uh, as pet food or incidental sales. They allowed it, including all the states surrounding Iowa. So many people would actually cross state borders to access raw milk in other states. Yeah. So it's always interests me, and I do a lot of interviews with folks who, you know, they have a personal story, and then they they sort of cross that bridge where they get involved. And most people don't cross the bridge to take action. And and it's we'd like to highlight the people like you who do walk over that bridge and decide, well, I'm going to do something about this. Um, so let me ask you that. What made you decide when you, when you saw this? I mean, I know obviously it was the health of your children, but what made you decide, look, I'm going to get involved and make a difference here and try and change the law. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of someone that doesn't, you know, if, if something isn't working or, uh, or there's a barrier somewhere, I, I like to find a way to, to overcome that in some way. Um, and so when the legislator um, reached out to me um, and I he reached out to me about some other items, but um, I had asked him, you know, what about raw milk and what's the deal there and why is this such a uh, such a big deal here in Iowa? Um, you know, the conversation grew from there. And um, and for me, it was, you know, a, just a decision of I can sit here and do nothing and complain about the, the situation that we're in. Or I can take some action and do something and try my best. Never in a million years imagining that it got to where it got today, which just was amazing. Um, and, you know, part of that was a, um, someone, a, a mentor in my life had always um, kind of told me this motto, and I kind of live by that. Um, it's do it scared. And so this was scary in a sense, because you're not just um, talking to just a few neighbors or a few people, you're you're having to go speak to legislators. And that's not something that is, uh, you know, that most people find uh, super comfortable. So right. you have to get out of your comfort zone. Right. Now, you had this this one legislator who approached you. How did you get connected with them in the first place? So I. um I had gotten involved with some of, um, um, I don't want to say politics, but some some things um, over the years um, that I had seen happen. So whether it was health freedom or education, we homeschool our children. So I want to be involved with that to ensure that we continue to have that option in our state. And so through that, I got to meet some of uh, these legislators, including um, the senator and the House representative for my area in my state. And so in these conversations, this was an item that I would continue to bring up. Um, and so 
uh, th that's how the conversation started. And um, Senator Schultz told me, you know, Esther, this is something I've worked on for at the time. It was uh, 14, 15 years. And he says, uh, um, you know, it's something we're trying. And I said, well, I'd like to be involved. How can I help? What can I do, um, you know, to hopefully bring this to to succeed? And that's when he put me in touch with the gentleman who had fought this from day one. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I spoke with him on the phone and he said, uh, you know, I've worked long and hard on this. And uh, if you'd like to give give this some some effort, I would be happy to give you my my contacts, my email list. Um, and and you can, you know, give it a try, basically. And so it, it really just grew from there. Um, I got this email list that we continue to add to. Um, we um, started a, um, a social media presence, which, you know, social, social media is a, is a good and a bad thing in, in my mind. But I knew that the way people connected mostly in my area was through social media. And so I had to use that for in my advantage, basically. And so, you know, uh, it was word of mouth and people spoke with their friends and their neighbors. And this, they said, join this page and join this group and you can keep up to date with what's happening with it. And so that's how it just grew from there. Yeah. So you you really use social media to build the community. And I, I assume that when you sort of took this effort on that you you built a pretty good community from where you started to to where you ended. Yeah, it's every day more and people were added and um you know, this was it wasn't just people who only consumed raw milk. It was people who said, "Wow, I had no idea that this was a thing." And <laughs> they would find out that, you know, you you don't have the the option, that's not something you can do in our state and you know, even the, the legislator, as you mentioned in the intro, he didn't personally consume raw dairy, but mm -hmm. he believed that, you know, in this great country, we ought to have um, the right to choose what we consume. We're not talking about mind altering, you know, products or, or drugs or whatever. We're just talking about a food that most of us um, consider a, a food staple. I mean, when when there's a major event, natural disaster that's coming our way, you know, blizzards, hurricanes, whatever it might be, milk is likely in the top five products on your grocery list. Um, and so to me, it felt like this isn't just about milk. This is about food freedom that we ought to be be able if someone wants to drive down to my farm and pick up some milk, they ought to be allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no question about it. And you know, we talk about this all the time. This isn't just about the people who produce, uh, you know, a product, whether it's, whether it's raw milk or we, we've talked to, you know, bakers who, who do this or others uh, make home-baked goods and home-baked products. It's also about the consumers of this, right? It, and, and that's the other side of this. When government steps in and says you can't do something, there's people on both sides of that that lose. And that's, that's certainly what you have with, with raw milk. That's right. Um, and, and one of the big, um, not really eye openers, but one of the big challenges I had personally was, um, do you re recall, uh, I think it was about 18 months ago when the big formula shortage uh, was, right. was going on? You know, moms would call and message me and say, hey, I can't find formula. Would you sell me some milk? Mm -hmm. Well, then you're put in a position of what do you do? I mean, you know, you... 
Um, you have these babies who you can't just give them a sandwich. I mean, you've got to give them uh, the food that they need to to be um, to be healthy. And so that's really when I when I reached out to more legislators and said, you know, guys, at this point, it becomes a moral issue. You know, we can't just say no to moms who, you know, are driving hours to find uh, just one can of formula. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, th- what I find really interesting about your story is there were lots of pretty powerful groups that were against this bill, which is probably the reason it took so long for this bill to pass the legislature. But who were some of these groups that were opposed to the legislation and how'd you overcome their opposition? Yeah. um, You know, frankly, it was just about everybody. Um, Every, (laughs) uh, you know, I don't know how much your listeners know about the legislative process, but um, you know, part of the people at your local state capitol and, you know, in D.C. are lobbyists. And these lobbyists are individuals that are paid usually to be there to lobby for or against um, whatever, uh, you know, they're the, the companies influencing our legislators um, do. So um, these legislators, base, it, it turned into basically any lobbyist that worked with organizations to do with our food. So whether it was the Dairy Association or um, Public Health or uh, the Grocery Association um, or uh, even organizations like Farm Bureau um, or the Veterinary Associations, um, all of them um, um, were lobbying against us, basically. Um, And I don't want to say that they are you know, all bad because I, I feel like part of, you know, for, for a lot of them, it's it's maybe just they don't know the updated data. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it just becomes an, an education process. Well, and, and they're also protecting, you know, protecting market share in, in their mind, right? right? They, I mean, they want to keep out competition. We see that all the time where people and or associations and organizations use you know, the lobbyists that they have, they go hire lobbyists to try and keep competition out of whatever sector they're in. I mean, that just, that's what lobbyists do. Uh, so, um, so, and I was just looking at some of the names, Iowa State Dairy Association, the Iowa Farm Bureau Federation, the Iowa Public Health Association, the Iowa Veterinary Medical Association. That's pretty amazing. You had all of these groups that have lobbyists. They, they Each one of those, I'm sure, has hired paid lobbyists that are at the Iowa Capitol day in and day out when the legislature is in session. But you built this grassroots coalition that really overcame that. And that that's the power of this story. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think it really um, attests to the power that grassroots efforts have. So often we uh, we look at what's happening in our world and we feel like, you know, there's just no way that I can make a difference. Um, but this story just goes to show that grassroots do win in the end. Um, even though it took us 17 years, um, I think the legislators recognized we weren't going away. And in fact, our numbers were growing tremendously. Um, they commented multiple times to uh to the senator who was leading this charge 
that, oh my goodness, I'm getting more emails than I've ever seen. I didn't realize that raw milk was this big of an issue to our constituents. So they they started taking notice and they started to recognize that um, that this wasn't going away. So either we do something about it um, or we're going to hear about it again next year and the year after. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, you know, really, as I say, the beauty of the story is, is storytelling. And you have to be able to tell those stories. What were some of the stories you were hearing from people about why they supported raw milk and, and some of those stories that you brought to the legislature to testify? Yeah, so most stories were very similar to mine. Um, you know, they either it was an individual who couldn't tolerate milk, who had a dairy sensitivity, who then tried raw milk and, and was amazed at the difference. It was moms, dads with children who could not tolerate commercial milk. And so then um, they tried raw milk out of desperation and and they found a solution. Um, so the stories were all very similar. And I think that was another testament to our um, to our group when we did come to the Capitol to uh, to testify in favor of the bill. It was moms, dads, children. My three children came with me every time. Um, and so, you know, to the to the legislators, they noticed a, a big difference on one side. They saw lobbyists and industry. And on the other side, they saw moms with children and dads um, who were simply just wanting to feed their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they saw and that always trumps a lobbyist. Right. If you can get citizens and grassroots pressure will always trump a lobbyist. Uh, because those citizens are the people they work for. They, they, they cast they cast votes in elections. They they pay attention, and uh, they're important to these legislators. So that's really important. The bill took 17 years to pass, so it must have been really this grassroots groundswell that made the difference to be able to get this through. Would you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that. Um, last year um, was the first year that the bill actually passed out of a subcommittee. And for many years, it wasn't given a subcommittee. And then in 2022, it was given a subcommittee um, and it actually passed the Senate floor, which had never happened before. And then it went to the House side. Uh, This is flip-flopped a little bit. Um, It went to the House side and it was immediately killed. Um, Immediately, it was shut down. No more conversation about it. Um, And then again, more grassroots effort, more people asking questions, uh, more people going to their um, their local legislators and saying, you know, this needs to be addressed. And so I feel like that's why this year we were able to be successful. Yeah, it, clearly that's that's the case. You know, we'll have, we have people who are listening, maybe who are saying, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to drink raw milk. I don't I don't want well, that's fine. Don't drink raw milk. <laughs> but this isn't about, I always say this on, on this show, this isn't about you. It's about freedom. It's about the choices that other people make. And and that's really what we're focused on is, right, not having government shot, shut down those types of decisions for uh, for people. Uh, that would be a decision that, that individual people make. Um, what, talk about the bill. What does it allow you to do? And then what are some of the restrictions that are still on raw milk? Sure. So um, I will I will preface this. The bill is not perfect. 
Um, there are definitely some things that I personally would have uh, rather not seen in the bill. But I also recognize that after 15, 16 years of, of fighting to get our foot in the door, we finally were able to crack that door open just by an inch. And so um, the bill requires, uh, and this was requested by the Dairy Association, that we limit the amount of dairy or lactating animals to 10 animals. Okay, so mm -hmm. whether it's 10 cows, 10 goats, 10 sheep, um, that's one limitation. The bill requires uh, labeling, uh, so proper labeling of the product on your jar uh, or container. It requires testing of bacteria. And so as, as a um, dairy farmer, I'm required to do testing monthly. It requires, um, or it will, it will allow farm to direct consumer sales. So the, the consumer can come directly to the farmer and purchase the milk. Um, as a farmer, I'm not allowed to share it or sell it at farmer's markets or uh, um, food establishments. Um, and so that's just something that, you know, unfortunately, I know farmer's markets was a big deal to a lot of people to be able to sell it there. Um, but the concern of legislators or, or the opposition was, well, people might get confused as to what they're purchasing. Um, so those were the main points of the bill. Um, in, and for us, it was really a bill that would allow neighbor to neighbor transactions. It wasn't a big producer's bill. It was simply allowing neighbor to neighbor transactions. And, um, and, and frankly, we would be happy to go back down the road and potentially um, open this up to larger producers. Yeah, well, and those, you said it isn't perfect. Some of those things are reasonable restrictions. I think one of the concerns people have, the the opposition would have as well, this stuff isn't regulated and it could be dangerous. And, you, you know, but you talked about the testing protocols and things that people will have to comply with in order to to do business. So, you know, that safety is, is still a component here, uh, no doubt, but it's, it's balanced with freedom and the concerns that, that people have with wanting to consume raw milk. So, so it sounds like it's a pretty good balance, even though the bill isn't perfect. Yeah. It's, I think in the end, it was a good way to get started. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, we had wonderful help uh, from, Americans for Prosperity. Uh, we talked a little bit about the lobbyists, and I don't want to uh, to miss mentioning this, but um, in all the lobbyists that were against us, we had one lobbyist who who was for us mm -hmm. and who spoke for us, and who um, who was kind of like our ear to the ground at the Capitol. And uh, Tyler with Americans for Prosperity just did such a wonderful job in in assisting us with that and. And I would encourage your listeners that if they are trying to, um, you know, to do something similar to this or even something unrelated to raw milk to reach out to Americans for Prosperity, because it, it was certainly part of the um, the formula that made this successful. Yeah. Well, and Tyler, Tyler, to those who listen to this show regularly, Tyler has played a part in a lot of different stories that we've told, including William Burt, uh, the barber uh, in, in Iowa, who had a mobile barber shop. There's several others. 
that that Tyler uh, has done, and and he's he's a great uh, great advocate for freedom and liberty. That that's kind of the question I was going to ask you. The kind of the last question was, what advice would you have for someone who wants to get involved? Whether it's raw milk, maybe it's raw milk in another state, maybe it's a different issue in Iowa or some other state. What advice would you have for people to about getting involved on these issues and making a difference? So my biggest piece of advice is um, is is a quote that I heard as I drove to the Capitol one of these days, and I live quite a ways from the Capitol, so it was you know it would be an all day trip, even though it was a thirty minute meeting at times. Uh, but I was listening to a podcast, and uh, um, many of your listeners have probably heard of Joel Salatin, but he mentioned that freedom requires participation. And I had to stop uh, that podcast and really think about that. Um, You know, even even though we see, you know, areas within our country, as I mentioned before, that we cannot um, control. In order for us to to retain our freedom, we have to be willing to to participate. Um, And so our grassroots efforts did that. Um, maybe not everyone was able to come to the Capitol and, and speak. Maybe not everyone was able to, um, to make phone calls or meet with their legislator, uh, but others were able to send an email and another was able to send, you know, um, a, a nice card or someone else might be able to go in person and meet with their legislator. And I think that's what, what it's all about. Um, participation can look very different to all of us. Um, but if we if we don't participate, then, you know, it's kind of hard to to then complain about the situation we're in. Um, so personally, I strongly believe that um, that it's it's important to get to get involved, to participate. Um, and, and again, that can look very different to all of us. Yeah. Well, Esther, thank you for joining us and thanks for telling this story. But most importantly, thanks for for getting involved and, and really taking this fight on in Iowa and, you know, changing the lives of a lot of people. We talked about those who want to produce raw milk and consume it, uh, you know, as well as people who want to be customers, as I said, and consume the product and, and uh, you know, your work has made a difference for them. So, so thanks for joining us on that. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you um, for um, highlighting the story. Um, I would also like to uh, mention to your listeners that if they are looking for raw milk products, there are a couple outlets for that. Um, of course, social media can be a good uh, option to check, but also check out uh, the Weston A. Price Association. Um, and then realmilk.com is wonderful as well. You can go on there um, and find farmers who can uh, help get you connected. All right. Thank you, Esther. I appreciate you being with us. And, you know, if you're listening to this program, first of all, I want to tell you, you can, you can watch this on YouTube. We do all of these now in full video. You can, you can watch Esther and I as we, as we talk and have the interview, if you'd like, uh, on YouTube, our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and, and type in American Potential Podcast, and it'll pull up our channel. And all of our episodes are there. You can, you can view them there. But I, I want to reiterate that an issue like this really involves people who maybe don't have as big of a voice as others. You know, Esther talked about, you know, 
going up really against a lot of groups that have lobbyists, hired lobbyists. This is these are stories of you know David versus Goliath in a lot of cases. These are stories where you know the little guy, the little person uh, gets gets a win, and those are the kinds of stories we like to bring to you. Uh, these regulations, when government steps in, oftentimes they're doing it at the expense of the people who can't afford to hire a lobbyist or a business who can't afford to, to, to go watch the legislature or the Congress all the time. And that's the value of these. Um, the, these regulations tend to crush and hurt people who are, you know, middle class, sometimes, uh, sometimes even lower class. But the people that are able to rig the system and game it usually can afford a lobbyist. So that's why I love bringing these stories to you. And Esther's story is a great one. So I, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.